You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Five, six, seven, eight. Holla, boys and girls, it's the BGN. Coming from the Marvel world to the DC friends. All the way from Hollywood to the PCN. She defends everyone from sleazy men. Born apologize for spitting Shonda Rhimes. The space that we make is never colonized. We're talking games and movies that actors were. Better shake your booties for Black Girl Nerds. Welcome to the Black Girl Nerds podcast. I'm your host, Angelica, and joining me today is my co-host, Ryan. Blessed day. How are you, Ryan? Blessed day. I'm excited to talk about this episode. Me too. It was a doozy. Uh, So we are going to break down episode nine of The Handmaid's Tale entitled Allegiance. Um, And this this word carries a lot of weight in this episode. So right off the bat, what were your first thoughts? I I just enjoy how explosive it feels like this finale is going to be based on this episode. Mm, There were so many places the characters went, so many things unraveled, so many things where you thought, okay, this character is done. We don't have to worry about them anymore. And then they will do something else. So yeah, this, I'm just gearing up for this finale to be like, to be explosive. And I absolutely enjoyed this episode. I think it's just going to be a yes to this episode, like right up until the finale, because they're doing such a good job. Yeah, they did a really great job with this episode. It was action-packed beginning to end. Uh, as Jamie likes to put put it, the penultimate episode <laughs> before, <laughs> there you go, yep. before the finale. Um, so yeah, let's get into it. Um, so we see June and Luke meet with Twello as the, you know, the mission team gears up for the raid to retrieve Hannah. They learn her wife's school is in Colorado near her home with the McKenzie's. The school used to be an Air Force Academy for the U.S., but it was refurbished for the girls. And they've also identified about 30 other girls who were stolen from their parents to rescue. Um, So Twell tells them there's a small window that allows three aircrafts a clear flight to retrieve the girls. And they're also prepared to kill anyone that stands in their way. June and Luke are introduced to Commander Elijah Vance, played by Brendan Morgan, who is fine, by the way. Uh Uh, (laughs) I was like, oh, who is that? Yeah, he was. He was, and he will be leading the mission. He reassures them that he plans on bringing their daughter home so that he can go home to his own daughter. And Tuella tells them that he will watch the progress of the mission um, from the U.S. consulate. And then June requests that she and Luke are allowed to be with them. Um, and Twelve's like, I don't know about all that. Um, the other families aren't allowed. And she was like, well, the other families didn't give you intel to find the girls. So, you know, June gets what she wants. And he says he'll look into it. Um, so, you know, they drive back home, Luke and June, and they're very ha- happy and they're very hopeful. Um, so I'll stop there for your, I guess, your thoughts on this this big old plan to get Hannah back. Uh, it's just more of the same for me. I'm always on the edge of my seat because it just sounds too good to be true that they have a, a intel, like this intel, and they have a window. Because Gilead doesn't seem as big, you know, if you think about all their their um, forces and, you know, bringing in uh, Commander Vance, who, like you said, was definitely fine. 
And so you thinking like you thinking, okay, we have this piece, we got this piece. Oh, this is gonna work, right? But it's it's handmade still. So I'm just always on the edge of my seat. I'm never a hundred percent they got this in the bag. Yeah, the fact that they relied on Intel just it was a little iffy for me. And because uh-huh. of the knowledge that I had for what happens in the test events, I really wasn't sold <laughs> that this mission would be successful, but you never know. They could go against the script. <laughs> Um, so Luke and June end up getting what they want. Uh, they join Tuello in the control room as they prepare, or the command room, as they prepare for the raid of Hannah's school. Um, they, you know, they can see real time the three aircrafts getting closer to the wives' school. And we get a glimpse of Hannah. She's at her school saying her nighttime prayers with her classmates. They're in a semicircle that kind of reminds you of the handmaids at the, um, at the Red Center. And after, you know, they say their prayers, they go to these little small furnished tents that are outside of the semicircle. And then the aunt's kind of watching over them as they go to bed. So Hannah's in her tent and she looks at a small drawing. Uh, I'm assuming that she drew it herself of flowers. We know from the previous episode that she's fond of gardening like her mother. And she signs her real name at the bottom of the page and she smiles. So you have to remember that Hannah is known as Agnes McKenzie in Gilead. Um, the last time that she saw June, she was, I'm assuming she was brainwashed and she was very afraid of her mother. So the fact that she's writing Hannah, her real name, um, kind of tells me, gives me a little insight into her mind. Um, so, you know, while all this is happening back in the command room, the signal... Um, from the aircraft is lost and the alarms start to go off. So June and Luke are ushered out of the command room and into a hallway. Tuella joins them later, advising that the girls are safe, but they're still at their school. And apparently their intel was wrong. And Gilead had anticipated their plans and they took down the three aircrafts as soon as they crossed the border. Um, and unfortunately, there were no survivors. So RIP to fine ass Commander Vance. Um, and Tawala leaves to notify the other families of what happened. So I'll stop there for your thoughts on the failed raid and, you know, the little glimpse that we saw of Hannah. I loved, absolutely loved that glimpse of Hannah. Yeah. Because I always thought, I always thought she didn't remember any of it because I, I was thinking she was a little girl when it happened, when June got taken away from her. She's probably been through a lot. Maybe she either blocked it out you know, it's traumatic for her to think about it. Now she thinks this lady is crazy. But when I saw her write the name in the book, I said, okay, this is June's daughter. This is definitely June's daughter. Because it's almost like she wanted she wanted us to think or everybody around her wants them to think she is fully, you know, embraced the society. She doesn't remember who Hannah is. She doesn't remember her mom. Mm-hmm. But something is still there. But her writing that name, something is still there. So it makes you feel like June is not fighting all by herself. And, you know, we have the Testament, which, by the way, I had to download after this episode. I haven't read it yet because I still want to kind of go into the finale blind. But I downloaded after this moment because I had to I'm (laughs) ready to go. I'm ready to go to read it. But it it just gives you hope that it's June just not fighting for her daughter that maybe doesn't recognize her anymore. Yeah. So I thought. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, don't I'm not going to. It's a very not really a spoiler but this shows me that 
they're going with the narrative of Hannah's personality in the testament. She has a little bit of fire in her. Um, so yeah. I'll 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 let, I'll give the rest of the your the two cents back to you. No, that was well said. That's what I was thinking that I couldn't get to. Yeah, it's that fire, that spark that connects her to June that you love to see, which you thought was gone because all I had in my mind was that scene where June comes out and doesn't take the deal. Hannah's in that cage, essentially, mm-hmm. and screaming, running away from her mom because she doesn't recognize her anymore. Exactly. And that, and just that fear that you have as the audience where you're, where you're like, okay, but that's the goal. That's the goal she's trying to get to. But she doesn't remember her mom? What is this? Right. So I, I absolutely love this moment where they write that down in the book. Just 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 like chef's kiss to whoever thought about it, putting it in the writers, the way they're doing the story is, is just amazing. The last thing I want to say, though, is the command room made me feel like I was in a whole different genre, <laughs> that it wasn't still the Handmaid's in War. And I love that. It made me feel I was in a it was some kind of CIA spy thriller or something. Right. Wait for him to bust it to this into the you know to where the girls were kept and I just love that I love how they're bouncing us around this season where we don't feel like we're just okay it's Gilead we're dealing with these handmaids they don't have a lot of rights it's opening up the world where people have different voices and their actions have consequences now which I love yeah agreed um so back at home June gets a call from Lawrence who apologizes for killing the mission team you know Lawrence is insisting he did what he had to do because they invaded his country and June's like you know what they were there for they were there to rescue our children children that were stolen from us and um you know he refers to them as Gilead citizens and despite all this you know Lawrence didn't you know stop them from rescuing the children and Lawrence just tells her just to you know, he did the best that he could. Um, he gave her an opportunity to be reunited with Hannah and she decided to side with the Americans. Um, despite all this, he tells her she can still come to New Bethlehem. You know, Hannah is now a symbol like her mother. And after the failed mission, you know, it'll be even more impactful if she returns to Gilead. And he also kind of tries to sweeten the deal by telling her that Nick will be her neighbor you know, they can give each other cups of, of sugar. <laughs> and, you know, he thinks it's a good deal and June should take it. She hesitates. Um, and then he tells her that, you know, in order to kind of smooth things over, she needs to go public and announce that the mission was a failed act of aggression by the U.S. government. June refuses to make Gilead look good. She believes it's an evil country. You know, she knows Lawrence is a part of this, but she also knows that he knows better. And Lauren says he's been trying to fix it from within. He's, you know, step by step. It was a promise that he made to Eleanor. And June tells him that Eleanor hated him and was broken by Gilead. Eleanor was so ashamed of him and what he'd done that she would have rather killed herself than live another day in Gilead. And if you remember from two seasons ago, Eleanor overdosed intentionally. Um, And so June tells him that she actually was there when Eleanor died. She watched her die. She didn't do anything to stop her. And this this information touches Lawrence. He starts to shed a few tears. And he says, like, he knew that June had something to do with Eleanor's death. But despite that, Eleanor still would have wanted for him to help with Hannah. He asks her to come back and June cries that she wants Hannah back in Canada, safe with her and free. She begs Lawrence to help and he tells her that it's never going to happen. So June basically tells him to F off and hangs up. And then she starts to angrily destroy her garden. And at that point, Luke grabs her to stop her and he tells her that it's going to be okay. Um, so I'll stop there for your thoughts on that scene. 
So it it was about time June and Lawrence realized they're on different sides, right? Yeah. I mean, he's always been that connection for her, which I loved. I wanted her to have some kind of door into this crazy world that's Gilead because you know, her daughter's there. What is she going to do? She can't go back because I feel like she goes back. The wrong person gets her. They're going to try to kill her. So she needs as many allies and stuff that she can on that other side to kind of make this happen. Because truth be told, whether you do New Bethlehem or whatever you do, nobody needs to be connected with the society. Right. They would have to do a complete 180 and, and flip this for it to work. Let's just be honest. But yeah, this was the this scene for me where they finally realized, in my opinion, that they were on different sides. I understand her tearing up the garden because it hurt me too because I was I was thinking, man, where's her allies now? What is going to happen? You know, has she pushed him too far bringing up, you know, his wife, even though it's no secret, you know, as we know as an audience, he probably had an inkling that she was there in the room and all the stuff that went down. But now it's in his face. No running from it. I'm telling you, your wife didn't want to be a part of this world. You're a horrible person. You know, does that push him to the too far? Does Lawrence kind of do his usual jokey thing and kind of and kind of just writes it off and moves on? What is his next move? So I see why she went and started tearing up the garden because it's, it's no telling what's going to happen. But yeah, this was we see we see them now on different sides. And hey, I mean, it is what it is. We get into the finale. We get into this next season. So we're going to see what their relationship becomes. Yeah, it's inevitable that they realize they are truly on opposite sides. Um, and, you know, either they're going to write each other off or, you know, one is going to join the other and. June is definitely not going back to Gilead. So one would hope right, for right. that at some point Lawrence defects, but I don't really see that happening either. Um, so June goes to see Tuello and he tells her they never should have trusted their sources. And June tells him that Gilead basically was always one step ahead of them. And she also tells him that Lawrence called her this morning and she says, you know what? Like I'm done with him. And, you know, Tuella's kind of upset about the mission failing, and he pretty much thinks that Gilead will see this as a victory. And June's just like, F Gilead. You know, the only way to honor those soldiers that died in, you know, in the mission is to not stop fighting. Like, they have to keep going. And she asks Tuella, what's next? Um, so Tuella's like, well, since you're done with Lawrence, how do you feel about Nick? And he ends up telling her that he offered Nick a deal. You know, initially it was the plan was to use him as a mole in Gilead and then let him come to Canada with immunity. But Nick ended up turning him down. And June is surprised um, with, with that response. And Twello's like, well, maybe you can convince him otherwise. You know, as a, as a commander, defecting would make him, you know, would make a great impact on their fight against Gilead. And then he tells June about the fact that she's a status symbol. She should step up and put her power in, in, into use. But June isn't really comfortable being like this mockingbird, like, you know, how Katniss was in the Hunger Games. She's not comfortable with doing that right now. Mm-hmm. He understands and, you know, just asks if she's going to help with Nick. He can set up a meeting for them to meet today. You know, they kind of need a win. And June agrees. Um, so June meets with Nick at an old country house. She joins him as he takes a smoke on the steps. And he tells June that he wished she'd say yes to Lawrence's offer. And then in turn, June asks, well, why did you turn down to Ella's offers? And Nick is like, I can't pick up and leave. I have a wife. And June's like, okay, well, I have a husband. I have Luke. I have Nicole. You know, you can bring Rose with you. And Nick says, like, Gilead is Rose's home. Her father's a top commander. That's where she's happy. 
Um, and then June questions, you know, how Rose will be happy when they get assigned a handmaid and Rose is forced to hold down um, their handmaid while Nick performs the ceremony. And Nick tells June that Rose is pregnant. That news seems to shock her, but it doesn't necessarily upset her. And she kind of understands where Nick is coming from now. Uh, Nick tells her that Gilead is changing on their Lawrence, Lawrence's influence, and they're doing what they can to make it a better place. You know, he's doing what he he's doing his best to protect his family, just like June is. Um, and so they kind of like agree to disagree. And June calls their situation like a fine mess. And she just wishes the world would go away for just a little bit. Um, and, and Nick ends up telling her that it's going to be difficult for them to see each other going forward. And June agrees with that. And she doesn't want to make any trouble for him. So he basically asks her to tell Nicole that he loves her and he thinks about her all the time. And then he tells June that he loves her. And June tells Nick she loves him too. And it looks like they're about to kiss, but he stops himself and he turns to leave. As he walks away, June tells him to set a good example for his child. And then he drives off and, and June smiles, but she's also shedding a few tears. Uh, so I'll stop there for your thoughts on those those two scenes. I just love you comparing um, June to Katniss. I, that's <laughs> very, I really like that. That's a really good, a really good way to paint a picture about her. Yeah. Especially these days, the way they've amped up the fighting. But just another relationship for June, she has to cut off. I mean, we're going to miss, hopefully we continue to see, I'm sure we will, because it's the finale wrapping up and they're working on stuff in Gilead. Yeah. But love her and Nick together. But again, what side you going to be on, bruh? What we doing here? You know, they have to, they have to kind of figure out, I mean, he has a kid coming. He has a wife over there. So we kind of see his, his allegiance, who he's with. Right. So she has to be, she has to say, look, much love for you, but I got to go. Right. So, I mean, you know, it's another one that we had to see her cut off, which you still nervous because the allies are doing it now, but this is June's fight. You know, she has to finally say, okay, no matter what, I'm going to fight this. I don't need you guys anymore. This is my fight. You don't understand where I'm coming from anymore. You don't understand how dangerous this world is. So bye. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, point blank period. I don't know where she goes from here, but it's going to be interesting. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Once again, you know, what side is Nick going to be on? Um, obviously things are, you know, Gilead is, is doing its job. Despite how horrible this world is, their birth rate is going up. People, you know, wives are starting to have children naturally. So there's right. some, there is a method to their madness. And then, like Nick was saying, under Lawrence's influence, you know, it's Gilead slowly becoming more progressive. So uh-huh. is it as horrible as it once was? Maybe not. You know, maybe with the uptick in birth rates, maybe they won't have to have handmaids, period. I mean, that's how New Bethlehem will be. People will be able to live their lives. So I, I think that's what Nick is holding on to. Um, and he thinks that he's making a better place for his his family. So we'll we'll see how it ends. Um, right. Yeah. Obviously, he's still a good guy, essentially. So, yeah, he's still you know, a good guy. Um, obviously we know it, it's going to be a while before Gilead ever topples down. Um, you know, we know this from the end of the handmaid's tale that there's, uh, you know, a scientific society that studied the fall and the rise of Gilead. So we know it ends somewhere. Right. We just don't know when, um, I can tell you by the end of the testaments, it still was in place. <laughs> so, um, so we'll see, but you know, yeah. it's, it's a lot of people you're rooting for people on both sides and 
That's that's right. what's, what's great about this show. So um, we now turn our attention to Serena. The wheelers are essentially forcing her to take pictures with Noah uh, to be displayed at the fertility center. And Serena requests that she and Noah are allowed to attend the reopening of the center. After all, she was sent back to Toronto to represent Gilead. Mrs. Wheeler won't allow it. She doesn't want Noah exposed to germs. That and the fact that she doesn't want to let Serena out the house, let's be honest. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Noah begins to cry from hunger and Serena goes to feed him. Mrs. Wheeler suggests Serena begin pumping again so that Noah can be bottle fed like he was while Serena was at the detention center. Serena says it's going to be less confusing for Noah if he continues to nurse, to which Mrs. Wheeler says, my smart boy won't get confused. And I'm like, you're smart boy. <laughs> right. Last that checked, that was Serena's baby. Um, mm. She tells Serena to pump next time. And Serena obviously is trying to restrain her anger. She's following the guidance that June had given her about just being an obedient handmaid. Um, and she agrees uh, to Mrs. Wheeler's wishes. Um, so that night after pumping, she puts freshly pumped breast milk in the fridge and then she sees Mr. Wheeler alone in the study and goes to talk to him. This mirrors June's relationship with Fred in the first season when she would meet with him in secret and play Scrabble. Um, <laughs> so she tells them she's happy, you know, Shaw's all right. And she thanks the Wheelers for welcoming, welcoming her, welcoming, well, I can't speak, welcoming her back into their home. You know, she knows yeah. that he's working on the speech for the, for the center opening, and she flatters him by saying, like, Gilead needed men like him in the early days. He's well aware that Serena is buttering him up, so he's like, what do you want? And she tells him that, you know, the idea of turning the Gilead Information Center into a fertility center was her idea, and she and Noah should be present at the opening as a symbol of a successful pregnancy to recoup more followers for Gilead's cause. Mr. Wheeler tells her it's a good pitch and he'll, he'll consider it. And she goes like, blessed day. And he's just like, yep. <laughs> like he's all business. Um, so I'll stop there, I guess for your, for her interaction with Mrs. Wheeler and later her interaction with Mr. Wheeler. Miss Wheeler is so jealous. She cannot see straight. You can just <laughs> see it's just everything she does. is just, okay, how can I get Serena? How can I block her down? She escaped from my house and I couldn't do anything. Okay. Now let me go over here, go after her for this. It's just, she is just so mad. You just cannot stand it. How she comes at her from every different angle. And lady, you were not in label labor with Noah. That is not your son. Get it through your head. It's not your son. So, but yeah, she just, she's struggling real hard with that one. But as for, just like you said, June was trying, or Serena was trying to do a little June Fred action, except for June was better. Because Serena was not bringing the A game. I was thinking, Serena, come on, girl. Like, I don't know, get a little closer or something. Maybe she needed a chessboard. But she was just not bringing it. I was thinking, what is going on? Didn't June tell you? You had to work these two from the inside to figure out. She wasn't giving any kind of like sneakiness, spy, like nothing. It was just straight up. Okay, this is what I need to tell you. Oh, and I'm so sorry about Shaw. It, it was just so dry and just cut to the point. I was thinking, has she never tried to like flirt? I don't no. know. Maybe she added a game because of Fred, but it was just not giving what it should have gave. Like June should have gave, should have hit the girl up or something. Exactly. <laughs> Um, yeah, she's not good at seduction um, or sneaking around, and we find out exactly how bad she is at it later on. Yep. Um, so Serena is strapping Noah into his car seat. Um, Mr. Gre- Mr. Wheeler has obviously agreed to let her go to the fertility center opening. 
Mrs. Mrs. Wheeler comes outside and before Serena can get a word out, she slaps Serena across the face hard twice. So yes, Serena is getting the same treatment that she handed down to June back in the day. Um, she tells Serena to stay away from her husband and she's basically upset Serena snuck down to see him in the middle of the night after she told her no already about the grand opening. Um, she's like, who do you think you are? And Serena responds with, I'm Mrs. Frederick Waterford. And Mrs. Wheeler calls her like, well, you know, to me, you're just a whore. (laughs) And she tells her that she's coming with them. And all the while, you know, Noah's nanny, who's played by Dorothy A. Adabong, is watching this. And you can tell she's feeling for Serena. (laughs) Like, she feels bad. Um, Yep. While holding Noah, Serena speaks with other women at the center, you know, telling her her lifestyle in Gilead, you know, clean eating, you know, a a good Christian, well, fanatical Christian life (laughs) Um, led to her conceiving Noah. She tells the women if they follow the same lifestyle in Toronto, they too could be blessed with a child of their own. Mrs. Wheeler is clearly jealous of the attention that Serena's getting. Um, And she calls her over. She says, like, you know, you must be exhausted. We have a driver that'll be able to take you home. Serena's like, no, there's more people I need to talk to. And Mrs. Wheeler was like, they're not here to see you. You know, they're here to see Noah. Ain't nobody here to see you, Otis. Um, (laughs) And uh, Mrs. Wheeler agrees with that. So, you know, she tells Serena to leave Noah with them. And then tomorrow, Mrs. Wheeler will also bring Noah alone to the center so Serena can rest. Serena acquiesces them, but asks to nurse Noah before she leaves. Mrs. Wheeler says, you know, there's not going to be a need for that because he can drink from a bottle. Serena's like, oh, I didn't bring a bottle. And Noah's nanny apologizes as well for not packing. And clearly, you know, she's sympathetic towards Serena's cause. Uh, They agree to let her nurse Noah, and she thanks them for allowing her to attend the event. So Noah's nanny suggests that they uh, go into a quiet room, and, and, you know, she leads them to the back for her to nurse Noah. Serena asks for some privacy, and the nanny nods and hands Noah's diaper bag to her. Alone, Serena leaves through the back exit, and she tries to flag down a car. No one stops. Eventually, she almost gets hit by, like, a Jeep, and she begs the driver, this girl with, like, piercings and blue hair, to help her save her son, and the young woman agrees, and they drive off. So I will stop there. A lot happened there. So um, your thoughts on the exchange between Mrs. Baylor and Serena and the slapping and then, you know, her in the center and then eventually escaping. And do you think the nanny was in on it? Like, you think the nanny helped, like, intentionally let her near an exit? Yeah. So your thoughts. Whoa, Mrs. Wheeler in the slap two times. Lady, are you mad? She going to she gonna have to calm down. And also, Mr. Wheeler is a straight up snitch. I mean, I guess their relationship honest because, because, you know, she was, he was, you know, he was saying, okay, well, she tried to push up on me last night. I know what she was doing. Let me tell you. And we know who wear the pants in a relationship. We could tell by this episode. Right. I thought it was the other way around, but Miss Willard definitely controlling this household. Yeah. Cause but yeah, he was a, he straight up snitched. Go he, ahead. He said something. I forgot exactly what he said, but it was like in favor of Serena. And then Mrs. Willard gave him like this look and he kind of shut up. So yeah, she definitely wears the <laughs> pants, but I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
No, you good. I but yeah, that just that cracked me up. I was I say, no, he didn't just snitch on her like that and just tell like all the business. He could have kept that to himself because he didn't respond anyway. Like nothing happened. Right. So I was like, you did not have to do that. But anyway, we all know Miss Willow be tripping, so we just gonna let her be in her own little world. But you can tell Serena the whole time was trying to think of her getaway because Serena is not built like June. There is no way she could go months of taking this and wait for them to just things out or figure out how she gonna get to Noah. Because, you know, as soon as they take Noah out of her hand, she, you know, as any mother would, but she just straights up like milk. Like you can read everything on her face. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to work. So she, I feel, I feel like she had no other choice but to run. I was surprised she did it again. I'm surprised the way it happened. Right. Um, to your question, I hope the nanny's in on it because I feel bad for the nanny because the nanny, I feel like, keeps helping her out and taking hits for her. And I'm wondering if they're going to be like, if the nanny's still there, she wasn't in on it. Are they going to say, well, wh- why did you open it? Did you open the door and let her out? Why did you why did you let her get in the car? You know, something to kind of blame her uh, other than the fact that it's just dumb that y'all keep putting Serena in these separate areas. If y'all really trying to have her on lockdown Damn. where you can't see her. Yeah. So but I just felt bad for the nanny get left behind because I, I wanted to give her a shout out for trying to help Serena because Serena was just she was just tanking on all accounts. She didn't have any kind of finesse of trying to get past the stuff they were doing, you know, anywhere to kind of hide. And then he was like, OK, girl, I got you. It's a, it's a room in the back. Right. So I hope it I hope it works out. I hope so. I hope she was in on it. I hope she knows what's going down. Yeah, she's I feel like she kinda like nudged Ser- Serena in the right direction. She's like, Oh, there's a quiet room in the back and then when Serena's like, Can I have privacy? She kinda looked at her like knowingly and then she gave her like the diaper bag for Noah. So I'm like, I feel like sis was like, you know, trying to look out. So <laughs> hopefully the nanny yeah, isn't I punished. So. <laughs> I mean they're not in Gilead, so mm-hmm. But hopefully the nanny is like, oh, I don't know. I let her go back there and she just dipped. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we'll see. So, um, yeah, I was surprised that Serena made an escape like literally two episodes later. Um, <laughs> but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> we'll see how far she gets. So, um, you know, now we're kind of back in Gilead. Aunt Lydia and Commander Lawrence meet with Mrs. Putnam, um, who her first name is Naomi. And they discuss her future following the death of her husband, Commander Putnam. She begs them not to send her to the colonies. And Lauren insists she's not responsible for Warren's sin. And if anything, she should be rewarded for putting up with him. Aunt Lydia tells her she cannot be a widow with a young child and continue to live alone in her house. Lawrence offers up a marriage. You know, Mrs. Putnam can move in with him and Angela. And in turn, like he gets the visibility of being a married man. You know, they've been saying he's not been living up to Gilead's traditions. So this is a perfect solution. Um, Mrs. Putnam asks if she has a choice in the matter. And then Lawrence goes like, oh, that's so hurtful. <laughs> and Aunt Lydia tells her she's free to pick her second husband. Um, and Lawrence tells her like, it's just a suggestion. Um, but, you know, you should really consider my offer. So he goes to leave. And Aunt Lydia encourages her to think about it, you know, considering Lawrence's status. Mrs. Putnam is like, why would I marry the man that ordered my husband to be killed in front of me? And Aunt Lydia encourages to over encourages her to overlook this, considering Lawrence overlooked the fact that, you know, he ordered the death of her husband to marry her. Um, so I, I thought that was an interesting development. What did you think about that? Yeah, 
I, I literally, because you know, you guys probably know by now, we taking notes as we kind of watching this, especially Jella, because you guys know her outlines be laid out. So, but I, I literally on my outline was like, not Lawrence asking Miss Putnam to marry him. I just was, that's all I put in the line, because I was just looking like, what is happening right now? And then uh, Lydia is the wingman or wingwoman. Yes. I was thinking, what is, what is going on right now? But I don't know. I have to toss it back to you. It was just awkward for me. I mean, do you think that she should accept the proposal? I mean, it's Lawrence, so he's not going to do anything sleazy or nothing. But it's just it's just so awkward for me. Both of them in a couple, it's so awkward. I mean, I feel like if you just lost your husband and I just feel like Lawrence is the best option for any woman in Gilead because he's not going to force himself on you. He's not going to bother you. It's really just for appearances. You'll be able to run your household the way you want. You know, he's he's a a safe choice. So I feel like Naomi should take him up on his offer and he, he also will benefit from it so they can get off his back about getting remarried. I think it's a good, it's a good, it's a good deal. So I say (laughs) go for it, Naomi. Can't really call her Mrs. Putnam anymore. (laughs) If she decides. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I got to stop that. Yeah. Naomi, I got to stop it. Yeah. Because he was the worst. So yeah, we got to go with Naomi. I got to remember that. Yes. So at Dick's home, the other wives are doting over Rose, who, as we mentioned before, is pregnant. Uh, Naomi walks in with Aunt Lydia and Rose questions why an aunt has been invited to their meeting and Naomi states that Aunt Lydia is there as her chaperone at Commander Lawrence's request. One of the wives says that, you know, Rose must be thrilled at the good news of having a baby and then another wife says she must be concerned due to the possibility of a genetic defect. Um, Rose says she will leave that in God's hand. Meanwhile, the commanders discuss the Americans' failed mission, stating that the world will now know that Gilead can defend its own borders. Commander McKenzie, as you remember, is uh, Agnes's or Hannah's father, is happy that Agnes and the other girls are safe. And they've also managed to strengthen their alliances with China and North Korea um, due to the success of, I guess, the failing of the American mission. Um, And they've been congratulated by those two countries for their victory. Despite this great victory, Mackenzie insists that they should take care of their June Osborne problem. He has, you know, he ain't a fan of June. She's tried to take Canada away from them multiple times. And Lawrence states that he will consider it. We know Lawrence is not going to order a hit on June, but I feel like if they put a, you know, put a, a knife or a gun to his head, he might have to do that. <laughs> but I think he'd also like call June and be like, you need to go into hiding because they're trying to kill yeah. you, which I think that's going to end up being the case because that would align more with the testaments. So we'll see, you know, if June can live freely in Toronto. Um, Lawrence joins Mrs. Putnam's side. Um, they all kind of gather together and he's praised by the other commanders uh, for becoming one of them. So, it seems like Naomi has agreed to his offer. So I will stop there for your thoughts. Man, I guess I'll start from the end and go up. You know, Naomi and, and Commander Lawrence, that's going to be an interesting mix. Boy, <laughs> woo, it's going to get awkward from here on. But you're right. I mean, what choice do both of them have? You know, they probably won't talk a lot. It'll just be, you know, how, I, you know, I guess how it should be, how they want it in that society. A woman and a wife, the kids are under one roof. They have, you know... Um, a protection to role models. So I guess they're good. I guess they're cool with it. So I will see how that shapes out. I think Commander McKenzie, 
I don't like that guy. He's very, to me, he's that, he, to me, he's the new big bad that you definitely have to watch. I don't know. It's just, you don't know a lot about him. He keeps showing up. You know, he's, um, you know, he's Hannah's, you know, new or foster dad or, or adopted Hannah essentially. And we know he has a lot of power, you know, there's some, but that's basically it. And there's so much mystery to this guy. I think a couple of times he almost figured out some stuff that Nick has going on. Cause I remember that conversation they were having mm -hmm. because of Rose. And I felt like he was really going to get ready. He was going to dig some stuff out of Nick that we didn't want him to know. And it was going to go left. So yeah, that, that guy makes me nervous. I feel like some of, some of these other big pieces have been taken off the board and they're still commander McKenzie. Yeah. So I'm not sure where he's really going to fit into everything. So he's definitely one to watch going forward. Agreed. Yeah, I don't trust him. And honestly, anytime that actor is in something, he's never a good guy. I don't trust him. <laughs> he was like a serial killer and changeling. He was like a oh geez. A corrupt FBI agent in um, Ozarks. So I don't, I don't trust him anytime he shows up on my screen. So mm, mm, man, yeah, that yeah, you don't trust a character like that. You're right. Yeah, I don't trust Mackenzie. <laughs> So um, <laughs> later we see Tuello um, has organized a memorial for the soldiers that died in the failed rescue mission. He starts to you know, list their names and there's a crowd in front of them holding like a candlelight vigil. Behind them, there's protesters screaming in support uh, of Gilead or not necessarily in support for Gilead, but screaming for Americans to go home. Um, like there's like Yanks go home. And it kind of is funny because uh, this is like a small anecdote, but when my dad uh, went to college he got a scholarship in Puerto Rico that's where he met my mom uh -huh. um, they recruited all these like Americans to run for the track team at Tarabo University and so obviously they were better than a lot of the Puerto Ricans on the island because they have a more intense okay. track program obviously here and so um, the, when they would go to other meets to with other schools they'd go Yankee go home Yankee go uh -huh. home so that just kind of reminds me of oh, okay, <laughs> some okay. of the things yeah, yeah. <laughs> my dad experienced the same kind of treatment um jeez yes yeah, it's, it's rough I'll tell you what yeah mm. So do, yeah. during this vigil, June stands next to Commander Vance's wife, who's obviously upset and crying over the loss of her husband. Tuello asks Commander Vance's daughter, Emma, to recite the Pledge of Allegiance. The young girl, you know, stands before the crowd and she starts to stumble. She says the pledge and she looks at a portrait of her father and kind of stops. June asks if she can help Emma and Emma's mother agrees. So June walks over to the little girl and they start to recite the pledge together. And the crowd also joins in. They're all standing before this U.S. flag. Um, but before they can finish, shots are fired. And, you know, someone's shooting into the crowd and June grabs Emma as they dodge bullets that end up going right into the flag above their heads. And uh, that's how the episode ends. So I will ask you for your final thoughts on this episode. Yeah, this this memorial for the soldiers so so sad. And like you said, it's it's that thing about just not understanding the full story for both sides. Yeah, you know, to the point of the story that you told. It's just you know, you never know what somebody's running to another country for. You never know, you know, the story their story behind them. So people should just people should just give each other a chance. But we know how the world works to to kind of understand and, and you know figure each other out and be there to be helpful but yeah I mean as we keep saying we've always wanted to know what can what the Canadian people what do the people think about Americans there because essentially they have nowhere to go unless they're going to go into that Gilead frame of mind or if they're going to be you know in the one of these little middle areas I guess that people aren't really looking at 
So, I mean, it's that strain of people trying to figure out where they're going to go and how they fit in. But yeah, this, this whole vigil was very sad seeing, seeing commanders Vance, commander Vance. I'm like, why they got to take out the cute one and seeing his soul, his precious daughter come up there. She was cute. And June going up to help her say the Pledge of Allegiance. It's just, it was so much symbolism and so much sadness. And it ended at a point, like I was saying when you first started, this is going to be an explosive finale. You know something is going to go down. Right. You know, everything is getting turned on its head. June is having to decide you how, June is having to basically decide essentially to fight by herself. You know, she still has Luke. She still has more. She still has people on her side, but she doesn't have these ties to Gilead anymore. And she can't go back. Right. So it's this it's this ultimate fight. And, you know, Angelica has all of our little hints and tips that I'm just trying to pick up and, and pull up <laughs> on because you've read the testaments. And I do feel like everything everything you're saying and watching their keys and watching the way the characters are starting to fit in. And it's so it's so interesting when you have a book to kind of back it up to see what they're going to take and what they're going to change up. So it's going to be it's going to be really cool to see if they exactly go with that flow like you're giving us little hints of. It feels like that because I didn't like we didn't expect that clue from Hannah. Right. So it feels like they're on that path on that train. So, yeah, this will this will be cool. So you guys get ready to listen to Angelica for the season finale. That's all I'm going to tell you, because I think she knows some things going into this new season. Yeah, they're, they're definitely setting the stage for Hannah growing up in Gilead and how she feels about living in this oppressive culture. Um, I feel like they're also because of Mackenzie making all these threats towards June, they're setting up the stage for maybe June going into hiding. Um mm-hmm. So all these things kind of point to what starts to happen in the Testaments. Um, and yeah, I'm just excited to see how it, it, it kind of plays out. Um, like you said, it should be a, an explosive, probably literally, uh, season yeah. finale. And then we'll go into season six to wrap up this series. And then mm-hmm. they'll they'll have a spinoff with the Testaments and an older Han- uh, Hannah, teenage Hannah, and an older Nicole. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited for next week. Uh, so thank you guys for listening. If you have any thoughts, you can get a get at us at Black Girl Nerds on all yep. the social media, all the Twitters and the Instas, and we will talk to you guys next week. Blessed be the fruit. Blessed day. Bye. Bye. The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Brodnax and Ryan Bennett. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and Spotify.